0: Well, as you came in today, you looked at the pulpit and said, what is venture for victory? Now, some of you knew that Tyne Harden was going to be here, but uh, that would represent, this is the basketball jersey, represented their international ministry in Asia, basketball evangelism, where he would take teams throughout Asia and at halftime share the gospel of Jesus Christ in a very effective way. 1998, we had an opportunity to come out of grace, three fathers and their sons, wonderful two weeks on Mindanao Island and Kamegan Island, and thinking of what God did, what he could do, and what he's still doing. It was a marvelous time. But that was just a small part of the story and the ministry of Tyne Hardeman. Tyne and Jan. went to the Philippines with Faith Academy, a missionary school for, actually a elementary through high school for missionary kids. Their parents are in missions all through the, the Asian area, and they would send their kids there. Very low tuition because everything was paid by people from the outside. Nobody there got a, a salary that is not, they didn't earn it themselves Somebody else had to give it to them. We picked up the support of Tyne and Jan Hardeman's in 1987. And they became part of the very first international team from Grace Community Church, whether they realized it or not. That was the foundation of missions ministry right here at Grace Community Church. Tyne was raised in the Tulare area. He literally was a cotton picker and uh, much more. That was part of the story that he gave during the Sunday school hour. It might come up again. But God worked in his life, changing him from just a love of basketball to the love of the God who gave basketball and to serve him with all of his heart, soul, and might. Opportunity came to even try out with the Lakers. His time was the 10th leading scorer in the nation, his senior year at Westmont but instead he went to Faith Academy, he and his wife, Jan. Jan was a nurse, and for many years, 61 years, there was ministry over there. Jan passed away about four years ago, and what a lovely lady she was. Uh, There's so much to say about the ministry of one man of a couple. As we traveled with them, somebody would come up, we might be at a restaurant, remember James? Hey, hey, coach. Somebody walk into the restaurant. Coach, i got a question for you. Not only for his basketball, but also for volleyball. And it was just God stamped Christ upon the people of the Manila area and that entire region through the ministry of of Tyne Hardiman. We are blessed to have him come through on this day. Would you welcome Tyne Hardiman to the ministry here? You know, and as he comes up, his daughter is also here, Terry, and uh, yes. They also had three boys, actually had four boys, but one went to be with the Lord at a very young age. Oh yes, and we've got a book here. This is the story. I don't know how many of these we've got, but uh, uh, Jacob, I think, was going to get some, pick some of these up. It's the real game that matters. The story of Grace Community Church is in here on page 90 and 91. And then Amazingly, there's somebody shooting a free throw on page 116 that has nothing to do with that story. <laughs> <laughs> we're short in number, and in fact, I think the missions team is picking those up. Is Jacob here? Jacob. So, we're purchasing them all. What are we doing here? Okay, well, see Jacob anyway. If you want to, the first to tackle him gets the book, okay, how's that? All right, Tyne, it's all yours.
1: I want to say <clears throat> to start what a privilege it is for me to come back and to share with you. I've been looking forward for four years that I've been back here in the States to come. But I am retired and I am in a retirement home in Santa Barbara and I don't have a car. But I finally wiggled my daughter to take me. And so she's helped me set up the schedule. We're going up to a Faith Academy High School Reunion in Portland, Oregon. And on the way, I looked in my address book and different places that good friends have supported us and been a real part of our ministry are available for us to visit and This is the first one, and I'm really just thrilled to be able to be here with you again and share with uh, Pastor Brennan and uh, meet the new pastor. And uh, I think you're in good hands. I have in my hand... The New Testament. Now this New Testament is unique in a sense because it's it's a Catholic New Testament. It's you say, Oh a Catholic, well, why is he gonna read from that? If you have your Bibles, turn to first John five. 11, 12, and 13. Here's what it says in the Catholic. Read yours and listen to mine. And this is the testimony. God gave us eternal life. And this life is in his Son. Whoever possesses the Son possesses life. Whoever does not possess the Son of God does not possess eternal life. I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God so that you may know that you have eternal life. That's my favorite passage to share with my Filipino friends who about 80% of the country are Catholics. Many times they want to say, oh yeah, but that's your Protestant Bible. No, here, it's your Bible. Read it. And I let them see where it says it's a Catholic Bible and they read it so that it takes that Question away. I want to point out eternal life is a gift. But the next line says, whoever possesses, not whoever knows about him, heard about him, tells other people about him, maybe, or whatever, but whoever. Possesses the son. There's a big difference in knowing about and possessing. But it's whoever possesses the son possesses eternal life. Now we only we know that only Christians possess eternal life. Other religions don't don't teach that but whoever possesses the, the Son possesses eternal life. And then I like it, it says, whoever does not possess does not possess eternal life. That's as simple, plain English it can be. You must have Jesus Christ in your heart have eternal life. You can't just know about Him. You can't be just baptized. You can't be faithful to going to church. Those are all important, but you have to individually have Jesus in your heart. Ask Him to come in. He'll come into your heart. That's His pro- not Tyne Hardiman's promise. That's His promise. And whoever has opened the door to him has eternal life. They're Christians. Now, I would imagine that there are some here in our congregation today that have attended church for years and every activity of the church, and you're very faithful, but you have never really said Here, Jesus, I'm opening the door to my life. Come in to my life and take control. Not only be my Savior, but be my guide and master. Lead me in the paths of righteousness for your namesake. Possess Jesus. That's what we have to do. Not just know about him, you know i've never I, I have never met in my 60 years in the philippines anyone who said who's that i've never heard of him they all you know i have last 20 years i stopped coaching stopped teaching i became the sports chaplain every team that would come up to faith academy i would tell the powers to be bring them on half an hour early i want to talk to them and so most of them don't have buses to other schools so they don't have a way and we bring them we bring them to our school half an hour early they put them in a room like this and I share with them and their coaches and sometimes parents with them. And uh, I tell them what it means to really be a Christian. And when I ask, who is the son? Jesus, they know. What did he do? He died on the cross, they know. I said, now what does this say you have to do? You have to have him in your heart. And so the question comes up, is, well, how do you get him in your heart? I said, well, let's look at the last book of the Bible. Revelation chapter 20, chapter 3, verse 20. All right, here we, are. Right, here we are. reading the Catholic Bible. Behold, I'm standing at the door, knocking. If one of you hears my voice and opens the door, I will come in and dine or live with you and that person with me. Okay, Jesus says he's knocking, like this morning. He's knocking on your, if you just know about him, he's knocking and saying, yeah, I know you. Open the door and let me in. That sounds too simple, because you get not only Jesus, but you get to be part of his family. You get eternal life. You get all that God has promised us who belong to him. If you'll open the door and say, come in, take control of my life, guide me, direct me, use me to help others come to know you. Does that sound too simple? It's not. Complicated. It's just what Jesus wants you to do. That's why He died on the cross, so that you and I could have eternal life. But it's only ours if we accept it. Now, I tell a a story about if I was an inventor, and I was, I invented a car, a very expensive car that could do all kinds of things, fly, go in the water, whatever, whatever, and somebody bought it, well, now, who could tell best what that car could do? The one that made it. Who can tell you best at what you could do best but the one that created you? Jesus is our creator. And he wants to come in and use what he's created to further his name, to help people to come to know him. That's your unique responsibility and opportunity. And what a joy and what a privilege it is to be a, an ambassador of the King of Kings. Ventures for Victory is the name of the organization that I played under for those 60 years. I played my last basketball game when I was 74 years old. Tell me how many 74-year-old people you know that play basketball. 50 even, or 40. We start stopping, but I played my last game at 74. I only played a half, and I shot 10 times. I made five. We're talking about from about 25 feet out. Not lay-ins, but long shots. That's my shot. And this was on a tour in which I brought all of my kids, all four of them, and their children to the Philippines. And we formed a ladies basketball team and a men's team. And we traveled down in central Philippines and played 21 games in eight days and uh, had an unbelievable fantastic time parents I want you to know this there is nothing more enjoyable and thrilling than to look out on the basketball court and see your kids after the game with 20 or 30 Filipino people talking to them asking questions and uh, getting to know them was thrilling. I really, really appreciate that uh, time I had with him. Now, if you get a chance to read my book, I'm sorry, I don't have a lot of them left, but some of them were leaving here with the church. Uh, Make sure you get in and read. You'll see times where God, I mean, it was God, you could tell One experience. I went up to Japan. See, I'm living in the Philippines. And my co-missionary, who is in the States, will gather this team together from all over America, universities and everything, looking for good basketball players that are also outstanding Christian young men. And he'll send them to me, to Japan, and I'll take them, and we'll tour about eight countries and play 50, 60, 70, 80 basketball games in 30 days. We uh, love to play basketball, uh, you can tell. But every opportunity is an opportunity to share God's love. I remember we were, I was in Tokyo, And I had gotten there about two weeks early to line up everything and get the referees all lined up and a good interpreter. And I was having a difficult time. The people that had had many times before interpreted for me were busy, and I couldn't find an interpreter. The day came for us to play the National Collegiate champions and when i saw them run onto the court oh even before then i had told my friend here in the states don't send out any tall people nobody over 6'6 six, six. okay so he had two guys who were about 6'5 six, 6'6 six, six. but here came the japanese team on the court they had two guys 6'8 Listen, these were Japanese. You know, usually we have a little bit of advantage, but here they're just, they're actually taller than we are. But so I knew we were in trouble. I couldn't worry about any interpreter, but I walked around the court looking for somebody that I might ask to be an interpreter. I saw this group of American kids at the side of the court, and I walked over and I said, uh, after I introduced myself, I said, do any, could any, any of you guys know an interpreter that could interpret for us at halftime? Because there's more than 10,000 people at this game, and what an opportunity to preach the gospel. And, uh, but all these kids that looked at me like, are you crazy? No, we don't know anybody. And walking on down, and there was this one guy at the end. He said, uh, yeah, I know somebody. I said, well, who, uh, where is he? Go, go get him. He said, well, it's my dad. He didn't come to the game, though. Oh, thanks a lot. I said, yeah, uh, could you go call him? He said, oh, yeah. So I said, well, bang, the bell rang for the game to start. I said, please, thank you. We need him desperately. He left and I left, we played the game. Tough game. I think one team was ahead one or two points and at halftime. And we got up and started out to the middle of the court to line up and share. And all of a sudden I realized, ooh, Lord, what are we going to use for an interpreter? You know, the Japanese don't understand English and we don't understand Japanese. So I'm walking out there and I look across and here came this guy in a suit looking sharp uh, from the other side of the court. I walked up to him and said, I hope you're my interpreter. He said, I am. Thank you. We went ahead. I didn't know him for Adam. He could have preached any message he wanted because it was in Japanese. I wouldn't know. You know. But uh, He was fantastic. I mean, when I said something, he said something. And, you know, he said the message like he meant it too. And it was great. So we played the rest of the game honest. I don't remember who won the game. It's irrelevant because we had the audience. They listened, and he preached. And we were able to, after the game, we had everybody, if they wanted to talk to the players, come out on the court and talk to a player. And uh, this guy helped me. He, I tell you, he was good. So I, before parting, I said, what is your name? And I don't remember. Terrible at names. And i said well you you've done this a lot of times before. he said well oh yeah i was I was the number one interpreter for the Billy Graham Crusade <laughs> <laughs> Isn't that just like Jesus?" Providing the best for his work. And this guy, I told him, I said, you were outstanding, you were so good, and I really, really appreciate your hard work and coming down here and sharing. But my life has been filled with just like that. You know, we got up and walked out on that court in faith, And that's what you have to do in life. You have to walk by faith, knowing that God created you for a purpose. You are unique. I look out here this morning, and I don't see two people that look alike. There's not two. We're all unique for a purpose, and we need to come to the Creator and say, Lord, here's my life. And like I did when I lay on a hospital bed, having been rolled over with a big log, a big log about five feet thick and about 30 feet long, knocked down a ravine. They took me back to the hospital, and my back was broken in several places. My right leg is broken in five and I was paralyzed from my armpits down, and the doctor said, oh, you're never gonna walk again. But you know, I didn't think walk. I thought, I'll never play basketball again. Because that's my life. I love basketball. And uh, I lay there (laughs) contemplating I had always heard that God takes care of his children. And I thought, if that's the way you're going to take care of me, forget it. You know? But as I lay there, my mom came to my attention. And my mom stuck with my dad 40, 50 years. My dad was a slave to drinking and gambling and although we would work on the fields and make good money, he could take and spend it gambling every Saturday night. So we didn't have food, we didn't have clothes, shoes, socks, anything. Hardly. And and we'd say, Mom, leaving No, she loved him. And uh, well, I remember when my father told me to get out. He came home, had spent 184 or $6 gambling, drinking, and we were about to start school, and uh, we needed everything you could imagine. And we had this big, long list, and he said he'd buy it. He went off, but he stopped to have a drink, which led to another drink, and which led to gambling. And He came back about 1.30, and we're all waiting up for him. And he said, uh, we asked him, you know, where's all the, he said, well, I don't have any, I don't have anything. I said, Dad, if I would have met you downtown and realized you'd done this, I'd crossed over to the other side of the street and not even let on that I knew you, let alone that you're my father. He looked at me and said, well, if you think you can do do better, get out. So I walked over to my side of the room and picked up a paper bag and put the things in it left never to leave at home again. I'm 14 years old. I walked 17 miles to Tulare, found people to live with, and worked my way through high school, college, and university. I tell you that because I'm telling you that God makes us individuals to make decisions to accomplish his purpose, he was working in my behalf to get me ready for the Philippines. I knew what it meant to be poor. I knew what it meant to have a big family. I have five brothers, four sisters. We many, many, many times lived in a one-room house and with an outhouse, you know, how that goes. <laughs> my chair keeps thinking I'm going to fall over. And so do you, probably, but, uh, but I won't, I won't. Uh, but see, God gives us experiences in life. You are unique. Nobody else is like you. And you might think, but I'm nobody. I'm, you're not anything less than a cotton picker, that's me. I'm just a cotton picker, I'm nothing but I've let God take me and speak through me to people. You know, one time we're playing the Korean national team, 18,500 people in the stadium. The TV announcer came up to me and he said, well, you know, uh, coach, I'm coaching and playing. He said, you know, coach, you're going to be speaking to about 14 million people today. How would you like to preach to 14 million people at once? Isn't that something? Praise the Lord. What a a cotton picker speaking to 14 million people. Only God could do that. I mean, we wouldn't plan it that way but that was God. And that's the way my life has been since I've come to fully trust Him. Now that's two very good places that talks about committing your life to Him. Spoke to my life. Psalms 37. Trust in the Lord and do good. and verily thou shalt be fed. Delight thyself in the Lord, and he shall give thee the desires of your heart. When I read that, he told me to commit my life to him, commit my basketball to him. And I thought, does God play basketball? I mean, what's he want basketball for? So I didn't. But I read on through the Psalms, and I came to Proverbs. And I looked at that book, and I thought, oh, this looks like easy reading. So I started reading Proverbs. I got to the third chapter, verses 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. and Don't try to understand what God is doing. But in all your ways, acknowledge him and he shall direct your path friend if you would like for god to guide and direct your step there's the answer to it that's the key trust in the lord with all your heart don't try to understand and figure out well how can he use me i'm and you say well i'm just i'm just i'm just so and so and so nothing listen He knows what you are. He made you. Like that car I was telling you I would might invent, I know what happens if you do this and this. Jesus knows if you give yourself to him, he is free to use your talent and your ability and your experience to honor him. Give him a chance right here in Madeira. You can you know people that don't know him. How they're gonna to get to know him is those of us those of us who know Jesus don't share him. And I'm asking you this morning, come to him, open the door and say, Lord, I think I'm in an impossible situation. I don't know how you could use me. I haven't been to Bible school. I haven't, I haven't, I don't, I haven't. I don't. God says, you don't have to tell me that stuff. I know it. He knows you. And all he says, I want you to come to me. Open the door. Let my son in. And he will use you in places that you never dreamed, in ways you can't imagine to honor him. I was sitting in a restaurant having a Pepsi-Cola. I had an operation on my left knee, and it was kind of bandaged up, and I'm sitting there, and this guy comes along, and he says, oh, what happened to your leg? And I said, well, I come here and sit down, and I'll tell you. And he came and sat down. It's like the spider and the fly. <laughs> he came and sat down, and I said, oh, boy, thank you, Lord. Half an hour later, we're praying together. He knows the Lord now. See, God opens doors. He brings people. You don't have to know them. You can or you can't. doesn't make a difference. God claims them. He wants them. And you have the opportunity to bring them to him if you give him a chance. And uh, God's depending on you. You are missionaries here in Madeira but maybe you say, well, I've never, I can't, I don't want. God understands. Just open the door. Give him a chance. And say, come in. Be my guide and master. And he will lead you to opportunities you never heard of or opportunities you never thought you would ever have the opportunity to speak to. That's his way. Give him a chance. If you're here today and you don't know him, make sure when we close and we pray that you say, Jesus, I want you to come into my heart. Be my Lord and master. Guide me. I'll tell you, it's exciting. You know, I'm 8,000 miles away in the Philippines for 60 years, We never lack for food or clothes or transportation or anything that we needed. God provides and he'll provide for you if you let him. But we as Americans, we think we can do it on our own or we think I'm not able to do it. That's Satan, you are able because God created you for a purpose. And that purpose is to communicate His love, His blessings to your friends, to your neighbors, your acquaintances. Give Him a chance. Give God a chance to work in your life. And I promise you, you'll never regret it. We never were hungry. You can ask my daughter. You can tell she's not starving. (laughs) God wants to bless your life if you'll give him a chance. God bless you. Think about his word. It's simple. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. And don't try to understand. I'm so glad he put that in there because we like to As Americans, we like to know ahead of time the situation, what's gonna happen. But he said, don't try to understand it. Because many times, there's no way you could. It's a God thing. And like providing that interpreter, I think, uh, what's coming on after this besides lunch? Let me tell you another story, which is a, a story that I think you can learn to be patient with. We were playing in the hometown of President Marcos, the president of the Philippines. Strong, strong Catholic city. And uh, we're playing at the community center. And um, I mean, there were probably three or 4,000 people there. And boy, they gave us a hard time. We were When we'd sing, you know, and, or when we're standing on the side, they'd pull the hair on our legs and throw uh, little rocks at us. And we passed out of literature. They picked it up and burned it on the side and, and gave us all kinds of harassment. And we left there thinking, boy, I'm glad that's over with. I'm finished with that went on her way. Five years later, this missionary came up to Faith Academy and we're talking and he says, well, Tyne, have you ever been up in Tabuk? I said, oh yeah, yeah, we were there. He said, well, you know, I was there last week and I went to the community center and they were having a basketball game. And there was an American team from Clark Air Base playing the local All-Stars. I said, oh yeah, we played there. And he says, well, I was watching a game, and while I was watching it, some guy was pulling on the side of my shirt, and I looked down and I said, you want something? And he said, well, are you a missionary? And he said, Yes. He said, well, well, could you come and speak in our church? And uh, he said, where's your church? He said, well, it's about 15, 20 kilometers out in the country. He said, well, what's your name, your church? He said, oh, we don't have a name. You don't have a name? You're a church without a name? He said, yeah. He said, well, could you come and speak? And he said, well, uh, how, how, how come you're there? He said, well... About five years ago, I was watching a basketball game here, and there was this American team. And our team was playing like this Clark team, and he said, we harassed them and gave them a hard time and everything, but when they left, I went out on the court, and I finally found one of those brochures you were giving away. And he said, I sent it in, got the Bible study, became a Christian, I know Jesus, my wife became a Christian, our parents, and now there's about 40 to 50 people that meet every Sunday in our home. What I'm trying to say is you might think I'm a failure, I can't do this. I don't know how, I don't, and I don't, I don't, I I don't. Don't say I don't. You got this, the Word of God. You got people that are prepared to help you, give you ways of talking to your friends and leading them to a saving knowledge of Jesus. And I'll tell you this, it, you'll be excited as I am about what God can do through you. So give him a chance. And as you think about it, it's the greatest decision you'll make besides knowing him personally. Let's bow in a prayer. Loving Father, we thank you this morning for this opportunity as your family to meet together and to share your word. And Lord, I pray as I've shared these personal experiences, exciting times, seeing you work in my life And knowing that each one of these people in the sanctuary here can have just as exciting experiences if they will let you have a chance. So I pray your Holy Spirit would speak to each heart and that many here this morning would come and commit themselves to the Lord. Help us, Lord, to make the right step of faith. Pour out your blessing upon this congregation today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. I got another miracle I'm going to share. One year, well it was 2000, Faith Academy asked me and another teacher to come to the States and travel raising funds for our middle school i'm not going to ask you for anything and uh, so we came and we traveled through california texas all the states in the south and uh, everywhere we go when i'd get up to speak i'm not wasn't quite as bad as i am now but you could hear all the ladies go he's not going to make it you know (laughs) Then they'd come up afterwards and say, Mr. Hardiman, why don't you get your knees fixed? I said, well, you know, it costs a lot of money to get your knees fixed, and I'm looking for the right price in the right place. And uh, went on, and we went through Arkansas and Alabama and Georgia and all the way through Florida. And we got up to Colorado. I'm speaking in all those uh, states. We got to Alabama. I mean, to Georgia. Uh, Col- uh, what city or state did I say? Um, what is above Florida? There, Colorado. No, What? Well, it was yeah, one of the states. Anyway, one of my one of my former players was a big time lawyer there now and he had set my schedule up. So we pulled into his driveway. This other car pulled in right beside us. And I said, oh, somebody else is coming to visit too. So we got out and he got out and we went in. It was a brother of my uh, former player. And so while the ladies were fixing lunch or dinner, we sat and we're talking and I said, well, Sid, what do you do? He says, oh, well, I'm a doctor. My ears perked up. I says, oh, is that right? What kind of doctor? He says, oh, orthopedic. They went higher. And then a roommate of mine from Westmont, who was a doctor up in San Francisco, he told me. He said, time, if you ever get your knees worked on. Get somebody that's done a lot of them. You don't want them going in there saying, well, let's see, what shall we do? You want them to know what they're going to do. So I, after a few months, said, well, well, Sid, have you done very many? He said, oh, about 200 this year. 200? He said, yeah, that's all I do is knees. I said, how about 202? He looked at me and he laughed just like you. I said, Yeah, I didn't need them both done. He says, I'll tell you what, you go over and call Jan in Manila, Philippines. Tell her to come to my house in Upper Michigan, I can't think of the name of the town now, where our hospital is, and I'll do your knees free. You stay at my house or you recover and I'll do it free. What I'm saying, folks, is God will provide. He'll meet your needs if you will step out in faith and believe him. God bless you.